Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Gonzo Bible Study. With me today is uh, Pastor Rick Clark from the Something You Need to Know podcast. We come together today to do a special 75th anniversary of D-Day podcast entitled To Love, Honor, and Remember. Soldiers, sailors, and airmen of the Allied Expeditionary Force, you are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. In company with our brave allies and brothers-in-arms on other fronts, you will bring about the destruction of the German war machine, the elimination of Nazi tyranny over the oppressed peoples of Europe, and security for ourselves in a free world. Your task will not be an easy one. Your enemy is well-trained, well-equipped, and battle-hardened. He will fight savagely. But this is the year 1944. Much has happened since the Nazi triumphs of 1940-41. The United Nations have inflicted upon the Germans great defeats in open battle, man to man. Our air offensive has seriously reduced their strength in the air and their capacity to wage war on the ground. Our home fronts have given us an overwhelming superiority in weapons and munitions of war and placed at our disposal great reserves of trained fighting men. The tide has turned. The free men of the world are marching together to victory. I have full confidence in your courage, devotion to duty, and skill in battle. We will accept nothing less than full victory. Good luck, and let us all beseech the blessing of Almighty God upon this great and noble undertaking. What can we honor, or what can we offer on such a day, an honorable day such as this, but to love and honor and remember? We shared this in a memorial message recently at the Maccabee Baptist Church here in South Carolina to our congregation gathered for Memorial Sunday. And as we think about this anniversary, which we mentioned on that day to those gathered, that we have a lot to remember. We have a lot to be loving one another because of. We have the opportunity to. And we need to remember what these have done for us. Jesus said in John 15 and 13, Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. And they did it by the hundreds and thousands that day. And in the days that would follow, as the tide turned on Fortress Europe. I believe that most of our soldiers who offered their ultimate service did so from a patriotism that was birthed out of love. And very simply, when I think about what it means to love, honor, and remember, the point of to love being that of loving one another. There was a love there, there was a friendship, a camaraderie, a brotherhood that had gone from basic trainings and boot camps and, and, and hours and hours and hours of rehearsals and, and taxing exercise and on and on and on. And these young people, and those veterans of World War I, those who were the in-betweeners, uh, all melded into a family of service. 
which became, uh, as, as Adlai Stevenson said, patriotism is not a short, frenzied outburst of emotion, but it's the tranquil and steady dedication of a lifetime. That's, that's what leads me to say that I believe their ultimate service and their ultimate sacrifices came from something that was birthed deep inside of each and every one of them. Well, certainly everybody had a different take on it. Yeah, there were some of those. There were foxhole confessions and all kinds of things. You know, people are people. We all are. But I believe that our country moved off a basis of being unified and coming from a united understanding of who we were. For love of country is the other thing. They accepted death and, and resolved all doubts and made immortal their patriotism and their virtue. That's the words of James Garfield, our 20th president, who only served for six months and then was assassinated. But yet to make such a profound statement, thinking of those who had served in that great civil strife that took place in our country in the mid-1800s. What, it was, what is it to honor? Think about that. In the Psalms, the psalmist David said, he has dispersed abroad and has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His strength will be exalted with honor. There, with honor. And so many of our soldiers served with great honor. Many were able to return. Many did not return. The casualties, especially on Omaha Beach in the first waves, as well as on Utah and Sword, Gold and Juno, were tremendous. In fact, some of those statistics were put in a capsule and kept from the American public for many, many years because it was such a tremendous sacrifice made. And they need to be honored. As Daniel Webster said, their remembrance be as lasting as the land they honored. And he was thinking of those Revolutionary War patriots and those who had stood against the tyranny of King George III. Now we were fighting alongside of our British allies and French allies and Poles and Norwegians and, and Dutch and other resistant fighters who had made their way to Great Britain and had organized in, in free soldier units. And, and we were there to move as one. There was an honor of humanity. Many stories that relate to this that we could share. Honor their country in duty that was served. The, Paul said to the Romans, respect what is right in the sight of all men. As one chaplain discovered when they were moving through France later on and many, many days past the D-Day, Chaplain Eichhorn, who was a rabbi chaplain, they came upon a, a town that was bombed out. The hospital was about the only building left, and they found in two back rooms 22 Jewish women. Can you imagine that? 22 Jewish women. The youngest of those were 68 years, the eldest being that of 97 years of age. They were they were malnourished, they were in ill health, and yet he said they sought to get them some fresh clothing, feed them, 
try to tend to some of their wounds and, and distress. And then the soldiers, as they began to find out, as the soldiers were moving on toward the front lines to, to destroy the enemy, they were stopping and reaching in their pockets and giving what pay they had and giving candy bars and giving what little bit of snacks or, or sustenance they had so that the chaplain could disperse that to those 22 women. He later would say that those soldiers over, that, over a two-week period had given him over $800, many of them giving their last dollar to him to help those women. In the midst of that destruction, in the midst of pursuing the enemy in war, there was great humanity. That chaplain would go on to say there's no other army like it in the whole world that wanted to empty their pockets at such a time and give all that they had. David the psalmist said, blessed is he who has regard for the weak. And time and time again, we have stories like that of our soldiers that served. And it all took a, a certain pace and, and, and a impulse and a compulsion on that D-Day overlord operation. We, got, we need to remember them. The Saul, the Pro, uh, Solomon in the Proverbs wrote, the memory of the righteous is blessed. And we need to remember them. Courage is almost a contradiction in terms, Chesterton wrote. He said it means a strong desire to live, taking the form of a readiness to die. And we must never forget those. And especially those of our own families and those in our country who were willing to do that. We must remember those courageous, those strong young people of a past generation who gave their very best. Once again, the Apostle Paul said, be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be men of courage and be strong. Pursue those things which make for peace and for building up. I believe that's what inspires us today those of us who are willing to look at the facts of the past, those of us who are willing to learn from our forefathers and those that have gone ahead. So we, we might think that song that the country singers sang that some say, well, it's kind of corny, it's kind of a little too red, white, and bluish, but you know, Lee Greenwood still sings it today. I'm proud to be an American where at least I know I'm free and I won't forget the men who died and gave that right to me. On D-Day, June 6, 1944, uh, historian Joseph Cummins writes this about the American GI. As the huge flotilla crossed the dark, choppy waters of the English Channel, the roar of protecting planes overhead, reporters in the holds of the ships, with the troops of a different allied countries, the Americans, the British, the Canadians, noticed an interesting phenomenon. Most of the U.S. soldiers were green recruits who had never seen combat before. Normally, one might expect these to be the most nervous, but in fact, these young G.I.s appeared to be the coolest, almost glad to be taking part in history. They were, after all, about to be attacking Fortress Europa, Hitler's territory since 1940 to strike right at the heart of the German Empire. The GIs laughed. They cleaned their rifles and sharpened their bayonets. And they knew it was a tough task ahead and that some would die. 
but they all thought that someone would be someone else. The realities of D-Day often escape most of us, and we don't want to think about it on the regular. We choose uh, to think about happier things. I, I laugh uh, even this morning as I first was meeting up with uh, Pastor Clark about how last night, instead of reviewing more of this material, I had to pick up a comic book and read it just to distract myself um, <laughs> after, after getting emotional with some of it yesterday. Often we want to even sterilize it by talking about just the figures. They're impressive figures. They're figures that most of us don't understand. When you talk about the 6,000 ships and landing vessels, when you talk about the 50,000 vehicles, the 11,000 plus aircraft, and then you start talking about other numbers, like the 12,000 Allied casualties. That's right. The seven to 9,000 Germans that were killed that day. Yes. And then the 20,000 French civilians. Exactly. That lost their lives that day. It, exactly. it, it gets to be a little real on, on multiple levels. But we need to remember and we need to honor all of them. Yes, we do. You know, uh, French General de Gaulle, as he addressed the French people at the onset uh, of the overlord operation, he told them to prepare themselves. He certainly encouraged them to protect themselves as much as they could, but realizing the immensity of the assault and what was about to come, he tried to prepare them for the sacrifice and you know, it was some days later, in fact, it was, it was on into July before the city of Cannes uh, was liberated. Mm -hmm. and, and as the debris was being moved uh, in those days that followed that tough fighting there, because the German, that's where the British encountered the German panzers that finally got released. <laughs> they were waiting, they were entrenched in Cannes, and, and what a fight that was. And our air power had to be called in and it was street to street fighting and so much of Khan was destroyed and there was a man found who was who was who had been buried alive in a cellar and never found until much much later and he had written a note by candlelight and it went like this it's terrible to know that i am going to die because i have been expecting the liberation for so long but since I know that because of my death, other people will be liberated, long live France, long live the Allies. What a courageous statement to make by this solitary Frenchman who realized that his death also mattered. He was in his home in what he thought was the security of his own basement, and yet he suffocated to death, but he counted it a privilege. And, and to me, that is just another example of, of some of the determination and resolve and, and the sacrifice. You know, it, it's that kind of spirit that creates a turn in the tide. Yes, the, the tide had to turn. And as the Allied forces um, had been fighting now for years on end, and it seemed like years that would never end, as we were still trying to claw our way up through Italy and, and get there. Then Operation Overlord, that had been on the table for years now, seemed to be a way to create a new front, to turn the tide, to finally find a way into France. You know, we had the combination of, of French and 
French allies and then the, the Canadian and British and American forces that were coming across here on the channel and landing in Utah and Omaha, Gold, Juno, and Sword to break into France, try to open up a, another way to access this Fortress Europa, you know, the, you know, with, with all the different corps, you know, the 1st, the 4th, the 29th, uh, the British 5th and 30th Corps and, and so on and so forth. The, these men were coming to try to access land that the British had been kicked off Back in Dunkirk. That's right. That we, we hadn't had a foothold here in France since 1940-41. Yes. You know, and, and so it was time to turn the tide. It was time yeah. to reaccess the continent. It was, yeah. you know, these people had been cut off. In fact, there's, there's uh, you know, you can always, you can listen to, there again, those reports and those, those heads up that they were giving to the resistance fighters in France saying, we're coming. You know, had you know, they were telling Europe. There was broadcast announcements telling Europe, "We are coming to your shores. We're coming to liberate you." You know, if even though we're not landing in your country, even though we're not landing in your town, we are coming. We're finally arriving. We're yeah. bringing the force in that's going to help you t cast off this oppression, cast off this dark cloud. Many, many people would, you know, just refer to it as this blanket of darkness yes. that is shrouding Europe. You know, it was time to cut through it. People, you know, need to realize that even in the beginning parts of that very year, 1944, Hitler had, had done what they called the baby blitz and was bombing England mm -hmm. from January through May, right. just bombarding it with, you know, artillery and munitions mostly futile because at this point that the air superiority belonged to the Americans and to the British, you know, the, the Germans literally were throwing planes and lives at great Britain just to distract them, just to keep them at bay, kind of to exactly. prevent this from happening. But the time had finally come and I'm going to play the audio recording of FDR's prayer for, the American troops and the Allied forces and the nation that's you know here at home that was supporting that effort that was that was making sure that we had the munitions and armament you know earlier at the beginning of the podcast we heard Eisenhower talk about this is 1944 yes and we had the resolve and we had the backing of the American people that had provided munitions and weaponry exactly and everything to make this happen. So now I'm going to play that prayer. If, if you have the time to pause this podcast and go and print off a copy, you can find written, written out copies of this. I know uh, President Trump, even yesterday, had read this very prayer on, on the air uh, as part of the celebrations that are occurring today and yesterday and all throughout this week in remembering and honoring all of the Allied forces. But here is that prayer. takes it a second to start on the recording. Ladies and gentlemen, the President of the United States. My fellow Americans, last night when I spoke with you about the fall of Rome, I knew at that moment 
that troops of the United States and our allies were crossing the channel in another and greater operation. It has come to pass with success thus far. And so, in this poignant hour, I ask you to join with me in prayer. Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization, and to set free a suffering humanity. Lead them straight and true. Give strength to their arms, stoutness to their hearts, steadfastness in their faith. They will need thy blessings. Their road will be long and hard. For the enemy is strong. He may hurl back our forces. Success may not come with rushing speed, but we shall return again and again. And we know that by thy grace, and by the righteousness of our cause, our sons will triumph. They will be sore tried by night and by day, without rest, until the victory is won. The darkness will be rent by noise and flame. Men's souls will be shaken with the violences of war. For these men are lately drawn from the ways of peace. They fight not for the lust of conquest. They fight to end conquest. They fight to liberate. They fight to let justice arise and tolerance and goodwill among all thy people. They yearn but for the end of battle, for their return to the haven of home. Some will never return. Embrace these, Father, and receive them, thy heroic servants, into thy kingdom. And for us at home, fathers, mothers, children, wives, sisters, and brothers of brave men overseas, whose thoughts and prayers are ever with them, help us, almighty God, to rededicate ourselves in renewed faith in thee in this hour of great sacrifice. Many people have urged that I call the nation into a single day of special prayer. But because the road is long and the desire is great, I ask that our people devote themselves in a continuance of prayer. As we rise to each new day, and again when each day is spent, let words of prayer be on our lips 
invoking thy help to our efforts. Give us strength to strengthen our daily tasks, to redouble the contributions we make in the physical and the material support of our armed forces. And let our hearts be stout to wait out the long travel, to bear sorrows that may come, to impart our courage unto our sons, wheresoever they may be. And, O oh Lord, give us faith. Give us faith in thee, faith in our sons, faith in each other, faith in our united crusade. Let not the keenness of our spirit ever be dulled. Let not the impacts of temporary events, of temporal matters of but fleeting moment, let not these deter us in our unconquerable purpose. With thy blessing, we shall prevail over the unholy forces of our enemy. Help us to conquer the apostles of greed and racial arrogances. Lead us to the saving of our country and with our sister nations into a world unity that will spell a sure peace, a peace invulnerable to the schemings of unworthy men and a peace that will let all men live in freedom, reaping the just rewards of their honest toil. Thy will be done, almighty God. Amen. Wow. That's something. Yeah. That it, I mean, to, to you know, it uh, seems to be something that we don't see as much of this day. If so, it's uh, uh, strenuously opposed or criticized mm -hmm. to have that kind of unanimity of purpose and resolve uh, in that prayer. You know, by thy grace and by thy righteous, by the righteousness of our cause. Um, to come from the very highest offices of the land, uh, to have that kind of resolve, knowing that it takes that for a people to come together. I, it it, uh, it uh, baffles me why it seems like so many want to diffuse our unity and diffuse while talking of unity, while talking of cohesion and talking of the, the greater good yet everything seems to be done to create chaos and diffusion. Uh, I don't see that in that prayer. I don't hear that. Well, in it. He takes time to address the fact that we don't need to let the trivial matters, don't let the minutia right. get in the way of the purpose of right. the nation. Yeah. You know? And then goes on to address the fact that what they're fighting against is this racial bigotry and this this hatred? You know, in right. that prayer, he takes right. the time to address what it is they're going up against—the greed yeah. and the yeah. you know all of that. There's something missing, I think, in 
the the modern life of, of the American and of course most of the world at this point where we seem so preoccupied with the trivial. We yes. are allowing all these trivialities to to separate and divide us on every little yeah. matter. Yeah. And forgetting yeah, I agree. the core the core truth of we're all part of the human rights. We're all yeah, part we're of all, the same yeah. brotherhood yes. and same yes. you know, and and if we could treat each other with that same humanity and if we could instill that yeah. I think the president in this in this prayer, he he understands the necessity of a nation unified supporting a, a unified force on a completely different continent. If we did not have a nation at home praying, we wouldn't exactly. have the testimony we heard even last night yeah. from some of the people at Mackey where they talk about all three of the men of their family were deployed simultaneously yes. in different theaters of the war. Yes. One in the Navy, one in the Air Force, one in the, the Army. And all three of those men came home to that praying yeah, mother. Thank God. Came yes. home to came home to the to to, to you know and A family so that prayed for have, them. Yeah. Yes. So many families didn't yes. have that, and yeah. and, and had no contact with most of them for over two years. For, for over two. No years. contact. You know. Literally. Yeah. But that home front and that necessity of unity is something that I, I we crave. Yeah, and I think that determination in the home front, Robert, is is powerful because. You know, uh, there and there's something where I do appreciate uh, President Roosevelt in that in the fact that he he almost pulls the nation uh, with with that, with all of the the gifts and enablement that he has pulls the nation that wants to be isolationist and yet has tasted some of this. You know, we were talking the other day in some of our preparation about the, the big rallies, even at Madison Square Garden, mm-hmm. a big portrait of George Washington, our, the father of our, of our nation, and then, a, and then a huge likeness of Adolf Hitler. Yeah. Uh, you know, and these big rallies, these pro-Nazi rallies. And I'll tell you, uh, the, 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 nationalist social, the nationalist democratic socialism that became what was called the Nazi Party or Nazis, as some of us will say, uh, was so destructive, and yet people weren't seeing it even at home. And we were we were glad not to, uh, or maybe only see it on a newsreel or in the newspapers or hear, read an article here and there. But we wanted to stay removed from it, and and yet in the midst of that, FDR formed what was to become. Uh, and, and pulled into being what was to become known as the arsenal of democracy so that our what would soon be allies and our friends overseas, especially the Brits, would receive uh, the lifeline, the supplies, the material they needed. And, um, and at the same time, gradually, even though when you hear some of the testimonials of the day, it was so minute, the increasing in our own forces, um, it, it's unbelievable. It, I mean, it's un- unbelievable uh, that because we were even still at the outbreak, almost even at the outbreak of World War II uh, as we entered into it uh, after the attack of Japan in 41, uh, we, our forces were not much more than what they had been in World War I. And so, and yet at the mean, and, and on the East, in the East and the Asian world and in the western world uh, europe and all, uh, they had armed themselves with all the modern weaponry and had bloodied themselves in places like ethiopia north africa spain 
and China and <laughs> all down the Pan-Asian area. And, and so in the midst of all this, I'm thankful that, uh, that there were some people in our country that were coming together and looking at the scenario and making some preparations. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, as the as the war progressed, we you know the the nation sent out the call to the 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 youth of this nation. Yes, you know my own my own grandfather being an example. That's my right. My mother's father answering that call as a seventeen year old boy to to leave, you know graduate early out of high school and go into naval forces at the time. And yes, you know we 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 not only were giving the resources of our land and our our industrial technology exactly. but we're giving the, the literally the lifeblood of our nation yes co-cooling them together and shipping them almost as far as the east from the west i mean we're literally yeah, exa- exactly them to other parts of the exactly. world exactly if there's anyone listening here that's moving towards your 18th birthday just imagine that you've received an official deferment and you've gotten your diploma and you're you've gone through basic training and, and uh, so let's say like let's just say like uh, our our father-in-law and our dear grandfather uh, and you're in, you're on a PT boat off of the Philippines and it's World War II and that's where you have your 18th birthday uh, can you imagine <laughs> and this was done time and time and time uh, in fact, his brother-in-law did the same thing. His brother-in-law was in the same class in that little town up in Indiana. And, and there was a whole group of boys that went out at 17 years of age and uh, went into the Army, Air Corps, Navy, Marines, Coast Guard, and, and uh, with the blessings and thanks of their country mm-hmm. and served. And uh, wow, that's a lot to ask. But there, was, there again, I, to me, the thing that really strikes me is the determination and the resolve. That's what it had to be to turn the tide. You know, we have to remember that even on D-Day, as we, as we sit here and we talk about the amphibious assault on the coast yes. of France, that this was yes. a global war. Yes. Simultaneously, we had troops on the far side of the globe fighting and dying and serving their purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, I, real quick, I'd like to insert another uh, uh, authentic clip from the time where we, where we have oh, good, the Brigadier good. General giving his report on the effectiveness of B-29 bombers on the opposite side of the globe. And their okay. effectiveness. In Asia, right. And, yeah. but, but even here, you'll hear him refer to things that were happening in, in Normandy because it was a unified effort. There exactly. again, they exactly. were unified in the purpose of defeating the Axis forces because it was a unified evil. So we had to be on board to present a unified front even then. Yes. The American attack on military targets in Japan, the first operation of the 20th Air Force using the B-29 bomber, was carried out at almost the same moment that tremendous fleets of a thousand flying fortresses were attacking German military installations in Normandy. General Arnold has said, United Nations today are able to wage aerial warfare on a truly global scale. Already in Europe, 
where we are using flying fortresses and liberator bombers with a range far less than that of the B-29s, the stage has been reached at which no military organization or installation in Germany anywhere on that continent is immune from Allied air attacks. And of course, that general goes on to give his full report of the effectiveness of bombers, uh, both in the Pacific theater as well as in the German theater there. But we did, we don't want to belabor too much of that. There, if you go to the National Archive online, there are literally four thousand, more than four thousand recordings um, from that year of 1944. But also, you have recordings from that day you can listen to broadcast from the radio stations from california in the entertainment you can you listen to the actual recordings of some of those very reporters that i mentioned earlier when i read that that portion uh, from cummins book and we have to realize that there is a there is a human element to this and uh pastor clark go ahead yeah, you know, when when the president in his prayer, and to me that is such an astute prayer, and uh, it was kind of just point on, and, and in some of those remarks in the prayer, he said, the darkness, the darkness will be rent by noise and flame. Men's souls will be shaken with the violences of war. Even though these were men who were drawn out, he prays on, out of peace, he said, they're going to have to fight. And, and, and I think that come that desire, like he said, would not, was not a desire for the lust of conquest, but rather to fight to end conquest. Mm -hmm. And it reminds me of what the psalmist said in the 35th Psalm. He said, contend, O Lord, with those who contend with me. Fight against those who fight against me. Take hold of buckler and shield. Rise up for my help. Draw also the spear and the battle axe to meet those who pursue me. Say to my soul, I am your salvation. Let those be ashamed and dishonored who seek my life and let those be turned back and humiliated who devise evil against me. And it's interesting because this was the Psalm read at the first national Congress, the gathering of those members of the first national Congress in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania in September of 1774. And that, that is that kind of spirit, that kind of resolve, that kind of unity of realizing that we were part of a righteousness and a cause that stood for the right, that was willing to help the downtrodden, that was willing to, to liberate the conquered and, and the captive. And, uh, I, you know, I thank God for that. Many will say, oh, you're just naive. Uh, pastor, you're just you know you you're just a little too red, white, and blue, or whatever the whatever you want to say. But I, I appreciate what Franklin Roosevelt prayed when he said, "Give us faith, give us faith in you, God, and faith in our sons, faith in each other, faith in our crusade. Let not the knees of our spirit ever be dulled." 
Uh, and I, boy, I would continue to pray that today. I, I, there again, I agree with you. I think it was great wisdom. And, you know, we were already in preparation. I did not realize, I've been kind of on a news blackout, and until you had brought it up, I did not realize that our, pre, our current president had read this prayer as a part of these celebrations and remembrance. And uh, it's interesting that we were drawn there as well. I, I think there's something to that, Robert. <laughs> well, there absolutely is. And it's funny you read there in Psalms 35. If you if we continue on in that same chapter as it gets down to Psalm 35, 9, then I will rejoice in the Lord and I will delight in his deliverance. Amen. All That's those great. troops that made it by the end yes. of that day, that yes. made it onto that shore. Literally by the end of that week, we're talking over 300,000 troops had landed there. That's right. In yes. Normandy. Yes. There was a, there was a deliverance. There was a, and, 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 you know, we, there's reports of just surviving that initial day where exactly. troops were gathered together and, and, exactly. and, and almost beside themselves with, with joy. And, and we need not, we can't forget that this, this D-Day was the beginning. There's, there's D right. plus one. There's yes. D plus two. Exactly. And there's, you know, so on and so forth until the region was seized, until the war was ended. Yes, right. There was right. still, you know, there, there, the these men were yeah. just beginning. We, we, we like to focus in on this day because this day is the turning point. It's the changing point. Much, much That's like right. in U.S. history, when people start talking about the Battle of Gettysburg, there's there are things where there there's a turning point. There's a changing point. You know, exactly. people fall on different sides of, of certain arguments and certain points of history. This is one where people look to this day as a day for the beginning of liberty, yes. the restoration yes. of liberty. And it was a joint effort because you think about the night before, and, and I agree uh, with what uh, Tom Hanks said a few years ago when he was writing an introduction for the Time Life D-Day, I think it was for the 60th anniversary, and, and he said, you know, uh, and just the night before, the president had, uh, knowing all this other was already lying. I mean, the paratroopers were in the air. The ships were sailing uh, toward the Normandy coast. And yet, he had brought the news that Rome had fallen to the hands of the Allies. And, and General Mark Clark's army, uh, they had fought, had bitter resistance. But ultimately, the taking of Rome would send, uh, you know, the Germans back northward and all these efforts are working in concert uh, like you mentioned the report from over in the asian theater and i know months later as things began to draw down in europe uh, which was much later than a lot of them thought you know by christmas right yeah. but we know that didn't happen and 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 yet a lot of them in europe were already talking about we're all, we're going to go to the eastern front yeah. uh, to the or to the eastern uh, theater of operation and help conclude yeah. this world war and so there again, it was a it was a unified action, and and uh, and yes, uh, thank God for those veterans that went up the boot of Italy. I'm telling you, that was so that was some hard fighting, and um, and they faced a lot of defeats. They faced some bitter things. When you think about Anzio and and uh, Monica, Monte Cassino and a lot of these other places that be, that get forgotten, you know that some of them uh, didn't catch some of the limelight. Uh, and of course, there again, Operation Overlord was one of the greatest undertakings ever done, mounted. Uh, just the size of it, the sheer 
size of it is amazing. And, uh, and we thank God for it today. We just do. We, uh, we need to love our country more. We need to love one another. We need to love on these veterans because there's less than 400,000 of them now, these World War II veterans. And I don't, as far as, I don't know what the number is. Um, I should have looked that up, but I don't know what the number of our actual D-Day veterans are. Mm-hmm. But I know it's few. And getting fewer all the time. But. You know, when we when we had the privilege of being out in Arizona this past year, yes, and we went there to the the Pima Air Museum, right, where they have the gathering of the B fifty two pilots, yes, uh, there, and uh, they talk about how you know last the year before in twenty seventeen had actually been the last time they were going to have an official gathering. Because there were so few of those pilots you, left. You're talking about the B-17. B-17. Yeah, the, 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 yeah, the, B-17, B-17. the Flying Fortress, yeah. The Flying Fortress. Right, right. That's right, the B-17. Um, yeah, yeah. But there were so few of those pilots That's right. left living That's or right. physically able to travel yes, to, that, to yes. that reunion. That they were they, they were no longer having that honorary having the, yeah. ceremony every year. Every year we lose more and more of the human... Um, the the first hand accounts yes. of this. We if you have loved ones that you know somewhere in passing you heard that they may have served, get their story. Find, That's right. Find, he, ask them and and don't push them because for a lot of these men these are the worst days of their lives. Yeah. And it's so traumatic. if they don't want to share, don't press them, but just lovingly ask them for the honor of hearing their story. Sure. You know, try sure. to document as much as you can strictly so that you can live that legacy. Absolutely. Of that. We need to, we need to find a way Absolutely. to bring it back to, to our young people, to bring it back to a personal level. Each one of us has a family connection, whether it's, Directly in the bloodline of your family, or if it's that neighbor, that's right, or that postman, or that milkman that served your family for years but then didn't come home from this conflict. Yes, you know, whether yes. it was the high school classmate, the best friend of your great grandfather or your grandfather, the you know, we need to find out who these people were and we need to make sure that we honor, remember, we love them and we love each other in a way that honors the memory of the sacrifice that they made on this day and on the all the days before and all the days that followed this is not the only conflict unfortunately this did not bring peace to the world when it came to an end and the bible tells us there will be wars and rumors of wars That's right. as long as the earth exists That's right That's right And so we need to know that we do not need to hasten into conflict but we need to have the resolve to stand up for what's right in honor and memory of these people. That's right. You know, that's, that's so much of what we are called to do as believers, to, to stand up as be, be that righteous crusader that, that stands up for the weak, stands up for the poor, stand, you know, be those. But also be mindful of that. There also in uh, Proverbs where it says pride comes before the fall. We do yes. not, we do not yes. need to allow ourselves to become... That's exactly you know, right. Uh, an unbridled watchdog that attacks every shadow, mm-hmm. you know, without without a righteous cause. The, the there in the prayer, you know, we keep referring back to that prayer we listened to earlier. That righteous crusade. Yes. Is, you know, so many times we forget to engage with righteousness. And, right. You know, because if we are in, if we're standing in righteous, Scripture promises us that we are more than victors. That's right. Exactly. 
and blessings are on the head of the righteous, uh, as, as Solomon said in Proverbs 10, and then as we were sharing as part of that Memorial Day message uh, in, in that seventh verse, the memory of the righteous is blessed. And so we're, for those alive, we're thankful for the blessing that's on our head as we do the righteous thing, as we do the right things. And we're thankful that those who have gone on, those who were lost in the, in the duty of righteousness, that their memory is a precious, a precious thing. Uh, Robert, if it's okay, can I just close by just giving some excerpts from Tom Hanks' uh, paragraph there where he's talked about what if D-Day had failed. Oh, absolutely. And he said, the success of Operation Overlord came despite a myriad of mistakes, unworkable plans, landings that were miles off target, tanks that were supposed to be amphibious that went to the bottom of the channel, most of them killing the crews that were in them, uh, paratroopers whose weapons and gear was stripped off in the force of their jumps, Many of the planes shot down, the gliders, many of the gliders crashed. They were, most of them were off target. The army rangers who fought their way up steep cliffs and found the guns were not in place that they thought were there and yet met such resistance. Um, and yet he said, <laughs> June the 6th, 1944 ended with a few achieved goals, thousands of dead and wounded soldiers. Most of the allied forces uh, that were liber liberators who had been in France for less than a day were crouching or marching or fighting far from where they were supposed to be. And yet the largest, most complicated invasion in history was, be was being a success because of the willingness. And I love the way he put that there. He was paraphrasing uh, an interview with uh, Dwight Eisenhower uh, by Walter Cronkite on the 20th anniversary of D-Day. And he said this, and I think this is really the key. The junior officers improvised. The NCOs kept driving forward. The weaponless soldiers picked up rifles. Some got up the beach, others would follow. The invasion carried on. Many struggled just to live to June the 7th, but by doing so, helped to guarantee the success. They toiled, those who were toiling away from the battle, those who were working on the airfields, working on the ships, those in the basements and offices and hospitals, and those who were operating telephones, filling gasoline drums, all helped to save Operation Overlord as well. Those men who drowned in the channel, burdened by their own equipment that went over the side in deeper waters than they expected, those that were in the farmlands, those that were killed on the beaches, we see the, what seems to be countless crosses and stars of David um, at the, at the, and that to me is one of the still, in having the privilege to visit the cemetery in Omaha Beach um, is still one of the most sobering visits one can make. I would, I would recommend it to anyone who ever travels to Normandy. And yet Hanks went on to say this, those considering all those and even those that just disappeared in the immense shelling and and artillery barrages, he said they all were responsible for the success of Operation Overlord that day. And their efforts and sacrifices are, are why, as one American newspaper stated, the world as we know it for decades to come was decided on the fields and beaches of Normandy. Thank you for joining us.
to love, honor, and remember this D-Day 75 years later. This has been the Gonzo Bible Study in cooperation with Something You Need to Know podcast. Yes. Remember to read the word and ride the ride. God bless you.